Welcome to The Rep. This is Julie Cortez. On June 12, 2019, I sat down with Don Monique Williams, Oregon Shakespeare Festival Fair alum and director of our 2020 production of Bernhardt Hamlet by playwright Teresa Rebeck. Welcome back, Don. Thank you. So happy to be back. Don, can you share with us um, just a bit about Bernhardt Hamlet and, you know, the basic plot and just what what's exciting about this play? Absolutely. So Bernhard Hamlet is about real life actor Sarah Bernhardt in her um, decision to um, mount a production of Hamlet in which she stars as the title character Hamlet. She did this when she was, you know, middle aged. She was in her 50s and um, she financed the whole operation. And so the play is looking at her trying to convince playwright Edmund Rostand to do the French adaptation translation of the play. Uh, the play sets up a relationship between the two as lovers. That part might be a little bit fictional. Um, and so what we really get in the play is several um, scenes between the two kind of uh, debating <laughs> about uh, this feat of putting on Hamlet, but also a lot of uh, rehearsal. So we so we get to see um, Sarah's company of actors rehearsing scenes from Hamlet and then later scenes from Cyrano de Bergerac. Um, and more than anything, the play is really looking at what it means to be a muse, uh, to have a muse, um, to kind of to chase some artistic ambition um, and the and the tension um, that might exist in in relationships between artists when those um, ambitions are not in alignment. And who was this woman at the center of this play? So Sarah Bernhardt uh, was the most uh, popular, famous actor of her time. And obviously um, her legacy has lived on and, and been very pervasive in our own time that we're doing plays about her and she is been written about. There are several biographies that exist. Um, and she was um, very eccentric. Uh, the I, I just listened to the book Playing for the Gods. And in it, the author posits that there would be no Lady Gaga, no Madonna, no Cher, um, had it not been for Sarah Bernhardt. And that she really um, sort of started this cult of celebrity around um, around actors. Um, there's all these wild rumors about her and apparently she traveled with exotic animals. She took many, many lovers. Um, she herself was the daughter of a courtesan. She spent some of her early years as a courtesan herself. Um, she's ethnically Jewish, but spent some of her, um, uh, developmental years in a convent. So she's uh, religiously was Catholic. Uh, so she's just so, um, so fascinating. And she, she had, um, you know, over a 50, 60 year long acting career. Um, and she's the first woman to play Hamlet on film. And what resonates with you personally about this play? Yeah. Um, well, uh, for anybody that knows me, people know that I'm obsessed with Shakespeare and have been for over 20 years now. I have Shakespeare verses tattooed on my arm. I have a Shakespeare family crest motto tattooed on my wrist. Um, but recently, <laughs> I have found it more difficult, uh, increasingly difficult to um, 
to approach these plays um, with my kind of values uh, around um, inclusion and um, and I've been having a sort of existential crisis or a crisis of faith in wanting to uh, maintain my own personal integrity, my integrity as an artist, but also do these plays that I love with integrity. And sometimes that seems to be a values clash. And what I love so much about this play is that it's teaching us that these are not new questions, that in 1897, there was a woman who wanted to play Hamlet and was asking herself the same questions about who's better suited to play these roles, a middle-aged woman or a young boy. Um, she was hiring writers who were going to do a modern French translation adaptation. So this is very much in the spirit of our own um, play on uh, project that originated here at OSF. Um, so that part of it, that 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 since the beginning of Shakespeare, there have been artists wrestling with who do these plays belong to? How do we do these plays with integrity? Um, how do we uplift the poetry? Um, but how do we bring it to our own audience in our own language and our own time? And that resonates a lot for me. Um, and in particular, uh, I'm always looking for opportunities to cast women in in these roles. Like when I did Mary Wives Here, I had KT play Falstaff. I've directed The Tempest with a female Prospero, Much Ado with a female Leonardo. These are these are things that have always been important to me. And here, Teresa Rebic gifts me a play um, that is about uh, this world famous actor. Um, who herself had decided she was going to take on this role of Hamlet. And, and then we get to explore that in this play. I'm going to do a little side thing that will lift out if we haven't announced it yet, but let's talk a little bit about Robin Goodwin Nordley in this role and why, why you think she's perfect for it. I, I really do think that Robin is perfect for this role. One, her career is as expansive as Sarah's own career was. Um, you know, Robin has her own um, uh, shows that she's written, um, uh, Bard Babes and From Virgins to Villains. I, I'm, I'm botching the titles a little bit, but Robin has these two one-person shows that she's crafted that are dealing with her long trajectory of doing Shakespeare's plays from, from playing the young ingenues to then graduating into playing Goneril's and to playing uh, the nurse. Um, so, so for that is just one reason alone why, why, why Robin uh, would be perfect in this. I also think for our audiences here at OSF, especially the relationship that the audiences have developed with Robin over time, um, makes perfect sense to put her as Sarah in that outdoor space where we last saw her as Gertrude, where she's played Roxanne in Cyrano de Bergerac. Um, and I, I think, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know Robin to be as eccentric in real life as Sarah was, but I do know, um, Robin to be just a highly gifted transformational actor just this past weekend I saw her play uh the white queen in Alice in Wonderland and then one of the witches in the Scottish play um and those were so wildly different um so just just her ability to really craft a role to really transform um makes perfect sense to me why she would be perfect to play Sarah Bernhardt but even more so Sarah Bernhardt playing Hamlet yeah I wonder if Robin's ever, ever done a Hamlet. I could see her 
in it. How would you describe your approach to directing? Well, I think I'm really collaborative um, and, I, and I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I will say that I know that that word gets thrown around a lot and, and, and perhaps has lost its value. Um, but I really do um, uh, believe in empowering other artists and like trusting people to do their job and not micromanaging or dictating. I'm perhaps the furthest thing from like an auteur director that there could be. Um, I, I want uh, the buy-in from everybody. So, um, so the best idea in the room wins. I love to give actors what I call the like one for free. So I love for actors, the first time we're doing a scene on its feet, I love for actors to follow their own impulses rather than me tell them, okay, go here and do this and pick that up. Um, I rather them just explore what ideas they might have. And, um, and depending on the, the alchemy of the group or the room I'm in, that for some actors might be to just stand still. And for some actors that's pacing and, or for some that's like sitting cross-legged. And for some it's actually like exploring a relationship to a prop or really testing ideas. But either way, I like to make sure that, um, that no impulse has gone untested, even if it's not the vision or idea I had at the start of the thing. I'd rather just make sure we, you know, uh, overturned every rock. Um, so it's a very like, yes, and approach, you know, how they say in improv, accept every offer. Um, so I try to, to direct in that vein where I accept every offer. I also try, and this I fail at <laughs> pretty often, but I also try to not direct emotional behavior so that the actor um, is the author of the emotional point of view of the character um, and that what I'm really directing is action. Um, and again, it's a slippery slope. I fail every time, but I do in always mean to approach the work with really knowing that the author of that performance is the actor um, and that it doesn't need uh, my uh, stamp on it at all. What have you learned in the multiple times you've worked on shows in the Allen Elizabethan Theater? What have you learned about that space? Um, it, it, I still feel a little bit... Um, naive, like a still sense of naivete, because I'm just caught up in the wonder and the magic of the space. I know that it's a difficult space. Uh, I know it's very hard to light. <laughs> I know that it's like uh, lighting designers are like, what do you mean there's no backlight? <laughs> or there's only this many places I can hang a light. Uh, so I understand that part of it. But there's something about open air theater. There's something about sitting in that circle, looking up, seeing the stars. That is just magical to me. Um, I also know that our particular Elizabethan theater is not actually um, an Elizabethan playhouse. Like we haven't actually created the audience to perform a relationship of an Elizabethan playhouse. Um, but that there is still a communion that is happening between the actors and the audience. We're equally affected by the elements, uh, you know, an, an owl hoots were equally affected. I mean, I was out there watching Mackers the other night and like um, uh, Danforth, who's in the 
title role was like the, the it's like the scene where there's like knocking at the door or whatever. And and he's like, you know, wake Duncan with thy knocking. And I mean, as if it was built into the show, right? Some bird <laughs> just like swoops over the Lizzie and it just, that's magic. That is magic. It was like, could not have been scripted um, better a moment like that. Um, so uh, I, I have learned that there is a that there is a technique to performing out there. Um, fortunately, we have the company of actors that have have really perfected that over over the years. Um, so there is a little bit of um, a little. It does require a little bit more pageantry than might be our contemporary taste. Um, but I think that that's okay out there. I, um, I, I'm not afraid of that and I'm not turned off by it either. Um, I know that, that that space isn't, um, isn't really the space for like, uh, uber naturalism. And I feel great about that. What are some of the most interesting things you've learned about Sarah Bernhardt in your research for this play? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by the, the whole of it, <laughs> to be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated that, um, that, you know, her, her mother escaped, um, well, I shouldn't say escape, but her mother didn't have a great upbringing and, um, and she like fled Amsterdam and Holland and came to Paris where Sarah was born and was, uh, a, a really successful courtesan. Um, and that then Sarah and her sister joined the family trade at an early age, um, but that they had many benefactors who paid for her schooling and education. Um, they, they kind of bought her way into the conservatory. Um, I am fascinated um, by these tales of the, these exotic animals. <laughs> I just think that's that that's really um, wild. Uh, she she like so she doesn't know who her father was. Um, and then she had a son who was she they do seem to know who her son's father was, but he was born out of wedlock. So the father didn't claim him. So the son is a Bernhardt and made a choice to stay a Bernhardt because once they once she was successful, her son's father was like, hey, I will claim him now. And they were like, no, we're Bernhardt's, um, which also isn't her birth surname. It's a sort of um, more palatable version of her of her birth name. Um, but everything, everything about her, that she's like a Catholic Jew who was a courtesan who went on to become the world's most celebrated actor. Um, she went on American tours so many times. She's the first woman to play Hamlet on film. Um, I mean, I, I think of that tagline for the TV show Survivor, where it's like outwit, outlast, outplay. And I'm like, Sarah is the ultimate survivor. She did all of those things. Well, we're totally going to steal that tagline for this production now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now feel free to tell me this. Julie, this is a stupid, corny question, and I don't want to answer that. But what thought I just had is... If you could have dinner with Sarah, Sarah and with Shakespeare, what would you most want to ask them? Oh my goodness. Well, my my list of questions for Shakespeare would be so super long already anyway. But I think if I were to sit with the both of them and one go, I would really um 
I would really ask him how he feels about um, uh, gender and and these plays, because of course he was writing them for uniform gender for all men. Uh, I like to believe that if it had been legal for women to be on stage, he would have done that. He's there's many examples of where he's kind of made these sort of little snide or backhanded remarks in the mouths of these characters, where he has them say that it's a little bit inadequate that a boy has to play these female roles. So I would ask him uh, about that uh, and then take it that next step further to ask him, you know, what what is his take on someone like Sarah playing a part like Hamlet um, and what he thinks of that or what he would think of like all female Shakespeare, you know, take a, take advantage of of the grouping of, you know, this uh, black woman and this uh, French Jewish woman sitting with Shakespeare and just saying like, hey, this is what we've done with your plays. What do you think about that? And he'd have to just tell us himself. He'd have to go on record and I'd have the receipts. Mm -hmm. And then I'd tell all the naysayers that he heartily approves because I believe Shakespeare would heartily approve. Why this play? at this theater, at this time, and looking ahead, acknowledging that we'll be both in a jubilee year and in a presidential election year? Yeah, I think that's uh, such a great question, Julie. Um, and and um, and versions of that question have been asked of the playwright herself. And, you know, she has gone on record as saying she wasn't writing agitprop theater, like she wasn't trying to um, uh, make some overwhelming political statement. Uh, but yet and still, this play is looking at a woman in power um, uh, and yet still <laughs> needing um, needing the kind of support and amplification of her male colleagues to get her there and the, and the way in which she has to move through space um, to get that buy-in from her from her male colleagues, uh, what her son, thinks of that, his kind of take on on the compromises she may or may not be making to be that most powerful woman. Um, and, and I think that that is going to continue to be an important question um, across all sectors as we move through another election cycle that's looking like, um, I, I mean, I hope from my vantage point, it's looking like we will have another woman on the ballot, at least through the primaries, we'll have maybe um, several women um, on the ballot. So I think it is um, a really good time to be asking these questions about um, uh, women, their agency, women in leadership positions, women at the center of their own stories. Um, and I think the theater is a great metaphor for that in the way that Teresa says it wasn't designed to be agitprop, right? So that it's not, um, it's not on the nose. We're not bludgeoning anyone um, with political rhetoric. We're actually looking at a moment in history, a thing that really did happen. Um, and, and using that for a metaphor to kind of reflect back on like, oh, how far have we come? How are women authoring their own stories? Where would we like to go from here? Um, and the fact that it also happens to be Hamlet, which is a sometimes advanced as the greatest piece of dramatic literature, um, but also argued to be a play that's about inaction. Um, so that kind of 
fascinating intersection of all those thoughts and big ideas, um, I think makes it a really great time to do this play. And it's probably going to pop up throughout the regions a lot now following its Broadway run. Um, and I think um, OSF is especially poised to do it because we have a longstanding repertory company, um, because we have a long history with our audience who have seen us do these other plays that are referenced in the play. Um, so in, in the way that um, Book of Will was made more special by the history of this acting company, I think something like Bernhard Hamlet is made more special um, by having Robin in that titular role and then having the rest of the players be this company of actors that have really cultivated a deep and meaningful relationship with our audiences over the years. And this is a comedy by a woman and we're definitely going to need to do some. It laughing. is a comedy by a woman. We're going to need a whole lot of laughs. Can't wait. Is there anything else you want to share with our audience before we say goodbye? Um, there's plenty I want to share with the audience. I want to share everything with the audience, but nothing specific is, um, is on my mind at this moment. Okay, great. Well, thank you, Don. Thank you, Julie. And that's it today for The Rep. Follow the rest of the series for more exciting interviews on our 2020 season. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at OSF Ashland.